Hey, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Joanna Whaley podcast. I'm so happy you joined me today. Some exciting things going on in my little world I want to share with you and maybe have you join me. I have a couple tour dates coming up this spring. If you are in uh, Lansing, Michigan, or Toledo, Ohio, you can go to my website, joannawhaley.com, and get a free ticket. You can also donate uh, to keep this work moving forward. You can also donate to this work right here on the podcast. Wherever you're listening, there should be a link to support the show. I would really appreciate that. Another exciting announcement that I've been talking about the last couple days is I have a brand new EP coming out on Friday, February 9th, just in time for Easter and Lent season called Freedom. Today, I'm going to be detailing how and why I decided to deconstruct my faith. Here we go. If you scroll for any amount of time on social media, you'll see this word. If you're in the Christian world, or if you were in the Christian world, you'll see this word deconstruction. And that singular word will elicit so many emotions and responses from a variety of people. On one end of the spectrum, you'll get people that are excited to hear the term deconstruction. You'll also get people on the other end that feel like the word deconstruction is like a four-letter word, and it's the worst possible thing you could do to yourself and to your faith. Well, I've heard now a lot of people say, well, we need to deconstruct and reconstruct. But for so many people that I talk to, they deconstruct their faith, and they just leave it on the ground. And, and I'm here to tell you today, if that's you, that's okay. And if you have reconstructed that faith, good for you. That's all right, too. But I run into so many different types of scenarios and people who have different experiences with religion. And, and they just, at a certain point, said... It's not for me anymore. And that's especially true in the LGBTQ community. So many people like myself and, and other people that have gender or sexual uh, diversity, they, they have decided that religion is so hostile to them that it's not worth following anymore. And I cannot empathize enough with this viewpoint. Many people ask me, how did I go through what I went through as a person in the closet and coming out and hold on to my faith? Because I absolutely 100% deconstructed my faith. For me, it was a huge and long process. I started to talk on the show yesterday about this therapy that I went through. It was what I thought was my fourth round of conversion therapy, but ended up being good uh, good therapy, uh, cognitive behavioral therapy. And it was with a Christian therapist. And he really helped me guide my faith into the next season. But 
I want to talk to you about what brought me to the point to say, and I was going through this therapy trying to figure out if I was going to be myself and come out. But what pushed me over the edge to say, you know what? I'm going to do this. I'm going to come out. I'm going to transition because I went through a huge process that was theological. My, my transition process was more theological than anything else. And it all really stems back to the election between Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton. And that might feel like a weird thing, but I was at the time an evangelical pastor. And this affiliation that I was starting to see with, you know, knowing what was going on inside of me, I was starting to hear the things that those that I was pastoring were saying about people who disagreed with them. And it started to really rub me wrong. And then this little thing in society called George Floyd happened. When George Floyd was murdered, I was appalled, but I began to really wrestle with the things that my fellow Christians were saying about other human beings. All of this compared and, and mixed in together with an election, there was so much misinformation going around. And one of the single most, uh, one, of the, one of the biggest communities that was pushing it was my own, the evangelical community. Now I'm not here today to like yell at evangelicals. I have many evangelical friends and I have healthy arguments and healthy disagreement with them. But I want to bring you back into my headspace of what was going on. I was wrestling through my theological questions. My biggest questions were, am I going to go to hell if I come out? Am I going to be separated from this God that I've proclaimed to love my whole life? Is, is this going to be the end of my faith? journey and the end of everything I knew if I come out. And I was being told, yes, yes, of course, like anyone LGBTQ is going to burn. Everyone is a sinner uh, in the hands of God and we all need grace. Well, when the election was going on and all of the, uh, the, the accusations that the elections are being stolen and, and watching people with like their Christian flags storming capitals and everything in that process I began to ask myself this question are those people who told me those who told me my whole life what the what the truth was and they said that they know the absolute truth of the world and of God and of humanity. Those very friends of mine were sharing in these wild conspiracy theories. And I had to take a moment and just ask myself, what have I been taught 
by these very people that I once trusted and once respected? What have I been taught as truth that is just completely false and misinformation? So I went through this really crazy. I'm not, so I went through this wild uh, season of, I know I use the word season sometimes. It's very evangelical of me, but I... <laughs> I went through this process where I started to read the New Testament, and I'm not saying this as a as like a flex, you know, but I went through a season where I listened and I read the New Testament of the Christian Bible, probably, I want to say I read it 10 times within three or four months, all with one question in my mind. The question was, can I be myself and still be a Christian? Can I still follow this Jesus and be trans? And I read that book 10 times in three to four months, cover to cover, like front to back, Matthew all the way to Revelation every time. And I wanted to know because I, I wanted to know what Jesus had to say and what the, the, new, the new covenant had to say about this. And you want to know how many things I found about being LGBTQ I discovered in the New Testament? It was zero. Zero times did Jesus... The words of Jesus, I really focus in on the words of Jesus because Paul and all these other people in the scriptures, they're men who were separated by hundreds, of, separated by a long time between the life and the ministry of Jesus and the actual, like, and the books that they wrote. So I wanted to read Jesus's words and he didn't say anything. But what Jesus did say was that he believed in radical, unconditional, pure love. When you look at the life of the figure of Christianity, Jesus, he was called a heretic, he was called a sinner, he was called he was called like all the names in the book and all of them today echo what is thrown at people like me. It was the absence, it was the silence of Jesus on the issue and it was the awful words that were being said to Jesus in this book that convinced me that this path, yes, of persecution would be the most godly path I could take in my life. I remember just driving. We were taking the kids and the family out to see some family in Connecticut. And I just remember on this long drive, it's like a 12-hour drive out there, I just remember 
in the middle of the night. I always wanted to drive in the middle of the night because it was quiet and I could think. And I just remember looking at the mountains in Pennsylvania thinking it was time. Knowing that this would be my last journey (laughs) in this way. There's many times, uh, there's this thing called sexual selection theory, and it's studied like birds, and there's these studies where they find out, like, what is the natural orientation of, of animals? And, and they found that there's, there's not just one way of orientation. And for me, that has been such a, an interesting thing to encourage me. But then I always get the the voices in the back of my head like the like the C.S. Lewis scare tactics of like the screw tape letter right where C.S. Lewis points out in the in in that book how how much the enemy or the devil wants us to become our natural selves because all of it flows out of this concept of total depravity but we're told by Christianity, I was told by pastors, to, in the, and even in the Gospel of Matthew, it says, it says, deny yourself and take up your cross and follow me. I was told my whole life, take up your cross, follow me. But I will argue that this idea of take up your cross and follow me, deny yourself, would be to deny your false self. Deuteronomy 22 is a common scripture used against the transgender community, but it's not about wearing clothes. It's about presenting a false self. Abraham Long is a chaplain and an author, and it says uh, the, to be mindful of self-judging tendencies of our ideal or false self is important for working through some of the internal tensions we find ourselves in every day. Self-knowledge and understanding ourselves is one of the most spiritual practices we can have. Find time, find a place, reflect, and it's okay to deconstruct it and leave it where it is or build it how you need to see it moving forward. Thank you for listening today. It's been an intense week, but if you need support, please reach out at joannawhaley.com. This has been a production of Whaley Media. We'll see you tomorrow.